could wait for me to press start, but go on. <laughs> Give me a second, maybe, yeah? I'm going to look at this. My waveform is not coming up as big as your waveform, but I... Daddy, my waveform isn't as big as his waveform. Well, you, when you spoke like that, they were kind of similar. I think it's my booming, loud-voiced head. <laughs> we have no other name on the mermaid, but as it stands, it is supposed to be a half-woman, half-fish. Sometimes, on summer nights, it comes up on the shingles, and it sits down on a large rock. This fish-like creature is supposed to have a golden comb. She combs her hair, and if any person happens to interrupt her, she immediately swims far out to the sea. There is an interesting story about a merman, which is said to be seen in Galway Bay. In Galway Bay, there is a cave near the sea, and a merman is supposed to live in it. One evening, two men in a boat were amazed to see the creature. A merman coming towards them in the water. He tried to capsize the boat, but one of the men hit him with an oar. This creature swam off, and numerous still hold that he abounds in Galway Bay. Collector Patrick Doyle, informant Miss Doyle, age 39, address New Docks, County Galway. Hi Luke. Hello there Aaron. How are you? Good man. I'd say this is the furthest we've ever sat. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say hello over there. We're zooming. Hello up there. I, I think it's the most comfortable setup we've ever had though. Yeah, Lots this of room. is the first time where we can look out the door and I can see trees. <laughs> I can see trees. Which is scary because there aren't any out there. <laughs> no. Uh, this is really beautiful man. It's mad how many bedrooms we've recorded. <laughs> the bedrooms podcast. Hi Luke. Hi Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Fish Jokes Podcast. Hi Luke, how are you getting on? I'm selling folklore, myths and superstitions at the back of my car. Whoa, you're wearing a long jacket. <laughs> that is a long jacket, <laughs> That's sir. That's a long jacket you got there. You got any folklore in there? But we really are the peddlers of myth, folklore, superstition, like Del That's Boy and, and whatever this little friend was called. I've never seen that program. You never seen all those I just know that they've got the three-wheeled car. Yeah, that just the Royal goes. Robin. What is it? The Royal Robin. Sorry. Yeah. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what I was going to say was, we literally are. We're like a travelling band of a podcast. We don't have a fixed abode. We don't. We're in a different bedroom this time. In a certain way, we're probably and the it's most. Neither of ours. You know, if a podcast had existed back in the day, you know, like the, the National Folklore Collection just threw microphones up. Yeah, middle of middle of nowhere. We 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 love discovering our country here and recording in different bedrooms. <laughs> That's There's why we do it. <laughs> we could easily have a huge studio like Joe Rogan or someone. We 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 denied that opportunity. Someone what? came to us. We're constantly getting emails about it. Yeah, please. We try to make us a bigger podcast than we want to be. Oh, we got no. <laughs> I'd rather not. I'd rather record in a bedroom, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather record in, a, in um, a shared bedroom. We were saying, actually, that this is a beautiful bedroom because I'm looking out at trees, man. I've moved back home to Cavan uh, for a while. Is that where I am? 
and <laughs> you just appear here I just conjure you but uh, Aaron you were so kind as to come visit yeah, me man, here yeah I'm so glad that you'd have me and we got to travel this we've planned on doing this for ages we got to travel um, to beautiful Sligo we went through uh, you were kind enough to drive me take me out of the house for a while I put on my driving gloves did you notice that <laughs> yeah they're lovely and pink <laughs> they, they've got that leather scrunch when I gripped the teak wheel real you looked tight. at me real real cool like and you grabbed the gear stick and you said let's go and we went through Leitrim and Roscommon all the way up into Sligo and you took me you told me about Karakil which is a beautiful yes. Uh, they're passage tombs but we don't know if they're we, we agree with the word tomb oh yeah we were we were chatting about that, that they might be more akin to temples uh, sort of solar temples that no more than um, um, I would I recommend range. people going it's now it's fairly hidden away and that's probably the beauty about it so maybe don't all of you go <laughs> lovely walk and you can there's lots of sheep magnifique uh, passage tombs yeah and um, we put it up uh, it'll be on like highlights on our story if you want to have a look uh, at them and see if and it's something one of like us oh, well, there was a few other groups up there but someone must have done something wrong because we got assaulted by the weathermen definitely we, we the gods were at once at peace with us once we arrived but by the time we were there 15-20 happened and the wind picked up I haven't experienced wind like that in a long time man the hail I felt like I was a kite the hail assaulted my face and then hailstone was being pelted at us and we we parked the old car a good bit away from the passage did, tomb so on our way down the hill there was another crowd up there looking getting attacked by hailstone as uh, yeah. well that, it was painful it was painful uh, really I was wrecked but we, we don't know <laughs> um, but uh, they were kind enough thank god when we um, uh, when we were walking down absolutely sopping wet saturated and deflated, and couldn't feel my hands deflated um, well, no we were in good spirits actually, there, but we, 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 we were just weren't looking forward to a socking, sogging wet Freezing cold 40 minute walk uh, But luckily uh, they, uh, A lovely family From Roscommon Were kind enough to, uh, to To let us hop Into their boot And uh, thanks so much Thank For that Thank you so they, much uh, to them I hope you're kind. listening And we You made our day From there We travelled on to uh, Caves of Kesh Yep uh, And they're incredible one, uh, We got to watch The sunset Together in that cave inside of a cave And remember The little robin Came into us There was a robin and In there robin with us And the sheep Looking in at us And And do you know what? It was just perfect. It was, it was actually, fabulous. it was quite idyllic. And do you know what the most beautiful thing? It was so cute, man. I, the robin hopped about two or three feet in front of me for almost the whole walk down. He was walking. That was the cutest thing. He yeah. just wanted to join us for the walk. Come he didn't even fly. He was just hopping. It, it, it was actually an amazing experience. You were like I'm Snow White. tearing up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you and that robin had a, it was definitely you and it him were, were friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently brown bear bones and, and all sorts have been found in those caves. And uh, they've, yeah. been, they've been, Jesus, I think it's dating back to like, I want to say, was it like 10,000 BC? BC, 10,000 BC was when um, they carbon, radiocarbon dated the oldest bones. Very easy to get to unless if you have a bit of, I'd say, you know, if the bones aren't in good nick, it's quite steep. But oh, we did find no bones time. in there, didn't we? But sure, they were more recent. But yeah, but, uh, it, it really put me on edge, to be honest. Imagine if that was a walker's bones. They got up there. And I'm walking walker's back bones. Uh, those are my favourite uh, crisps, man. Walker's bones. <laughs> mix of banshee bones and walkers. So Luke, what are we talking about here today in this cavern bedroom? Now, far flung is it from Carol Keel, but we're talking about mermaids. Mero. The uh, Mero folk. And, um... Hup. This was suggested to us uh, by long-time listeners, uh, Paul and Kate. Thanks so much long-time for submitting. Long-time listeners and 
good friends. Good friends of ours. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to see our uh, adventures in Sligo, do check out Pishrogues Podcast on the old Instagram. That's P-I-S-R-O-G-S. And without further ado, Aaron, we oh. have something we haven't done in a long while. Oh, my God. This just in. Fairy News. Live from my bedroom. Live from our fort to yours, it's Fairy News. First thing, uh, a little bit of a guffaw. Obviously, since we started the podcast, we've never claimed to be experts. experts. Absolutely not. I love I'm that we were in look, agreement there. I'm an expert at nothing in this life. Chatting and learning is about all I can do. <laughs> I'm, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm constantly learning. Constantly learning. I'm trying. Uh, but no, we've become bigger brain boys since the dawn of the podcast. And in an earlier episode, which I still highly recommend, The White Boys... Uh, we had only really covered the white boys and they're, I find them the most interesting to look into but they were an agrarian society uh, who, were, who were fighting against landlords fighting against the landlords and um, we kind of thought that they were exclusive to Munster and the white boys definitely are but it turns out that all over the country like up in, in Ulster there were the ribbon men and then in another part of the country there was the oak boys or the heart of oaks and the steel boys even and the hearts of steel and they were all kind of agrarian societies some of them Catholic some of them Protestant uh, but yeah, um, we didn't cover them in the episode. But if we were covering everything, sure we'd have. We, how much time do you think we have? What do you think? Look, Luke, I was mentioned to you yesterday. Landlords will always be topical in Ireland based on our history. It's just the way it is. But I would implore everybody out there to listen to a song by Christy Moore's one-time band, Moving Hearts, called Landlord. Lads, it's a bop. Do you think we get away with playing two seconds? Yes, of it? here we go. A lot of people, Wasn't that I incredible, Christy? Oh, he's just some—he's great. But no, uh, we have listener <laughs> mail, and uh, we got messaged on our uh, Instagram Bish Rogues podcast uh, about our Banshee episode uh, from the lovely listener Jenny. Thanks so much, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, they asked where uh, we sourced our story from: Gernonstown, County Maid, County Maid. And uh, it's, of course, from the National Folklore Collections, Dukas. Where we get most of our stories, not all. Uh, and interestingly, uh, Jenny's granddad uh, heard the cry a few times, and it turns out her aunt uh, lived in in, in the house that house. we that we quoted that story from, which I think is just... It's just incredible. delightful, it's spooky. Once again, and we got very lucky, Aaron, another bit of listener mail we came do. in. Oh God, we're, we're spoiled. Keep it coming, lads. Oh, we highly Rogue's recommend podcast, it. And then we've got pishrogspodcast at gmail.com if you want something longer form or want to send us a file. Um, we got a little bit of an audio clip sent to us. I'm uh, excited, I haven't heard this. Uh, from a, a dear listener, long-time listener, Shane, about cures that uh, he was given as a child. A cure he got for the whooping cough. And whooping about cough? a friend of his back Whoopi growing Goldberg's up. Goldberg's cough? Who was the seventh son of oh. a seventh son. There we go. So uh, we're going to share with you a select few snippets from that. And thank you so much, Shane. Thank you, Shane. Well, lad, how are you? Um, come here, I have an interesting one for you. I know you did an episode before on cures. So I had the whooping cough when I was a babog, and uh, apparently I was very sick. But uh, it was weird in a couple of instances. Uh, Mam had brought me to a doctor, and 
because of the time of the year it was, the doctor had told my mother that I would have this whooping cough for a, a hundred days, um, which turned out to be exactly true, um, according to her. And uh, this much I did know before. But uh, there's been a revelation today which I wasn't aware of. Um, she brought me to someone who she knew apparently had the cure for whooping cough. Uh, I was a baby at the time and still being breastfed and I asked her what the cure entailed and she told me that she had to bring her breast milk to this guy and um, he owned ferrets um, at that time and apparently the, the cure lay in the guy feeding her breast milk to the ferrets and whatever breast milk was left over after the ferrets drank it was returned to my mother and she was instructed to feed me the remainder or residue of that breast milk. Make of that what you will. Uh, also on a unrelated note, but sticking with the uh, theme of cures, uh, my younger brother, one of his friends, is a seventh son of a seventh son. And uh, as you're probably aware, because it's quite common knowledge, uh, they have the cure for ringworm. And people go to him for the cure for that still to this day. But um, uh, when, he was, when he was younger, he used to be over at our house quite a bit. And like might be out playing in the garden or whatever. And the odd time we'd come across like an earthworm or something like that in the garden. And... Um, we used to give him the worm to kind of like demonstrate his supernatural powers. And uh, he used to do a couple of weird things with them, like one of which wasn't really weird. It was just kind of in retrospect, it was kind of dark. But uh, we'd give him the earthworm and he'd cup it in his hands and like just kind of leave it in there for a minute or two. And uh, when he'd unclasp his hands, the earthworm would be dead, um, which is a bit mad when you look back on it uh, but another interesting thing he used to do was he would like sometimes draw like a circle in the ground like in the mud or in the sand or whatever it was uh, with his finger and we'd place the earthworm inside the circle and the earthworm would never be able to get out of the circle it would just like wiggle around to the circumference and from once it came to the part where his finger had been in contact with, it would turn around or divert its route. And it would just literally do that for ages until one of us picked it up and set it free outside of that circle. Um, it's the first time we've done that. And I have laughed. That is... Those are some of the most fantastic stories. Thank you so much, Shane, for sending that in. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know how much we should talk about your friend's torturing methods, but... (laughs) Look, he was a child, and and, and who can can blame him for his gifts, his supernatural gifts? Seven son of a seven son. Isn't that incredible? And if you were a child man, wouldn't you feel... Powerful. Incredible. Powerful. I, I am... God, but no, um, worm God. <laughs> I was asking him, man, in subsequent messages. I was like, I wonder if anyone drew a circle with a with a worm. Don't, uh, don't, don't poo poo, man. No, it, this is this kid's power. Don't take that away from him. Um, but I similarly, my father said he met an army man once who was the seventh son of the seventh son, and he seemed to say that even if a worm was on his palm, claimed yeah that he would 
if he left it long enough, it would just pass away on his path. That's, that's terrifying. Do you know what I do find the funniest part of that thing to me was that the doctor said you will have this for a hundred days. Yeah, yeah. Imagine Wait. you went to your doctor with something really bad and you're like, oh, in relation well, look, to the... sorry now, but it's just a hundred days. Yeah, I, days. it's very funny. Even before it got to the cure part of it, the, the registered doctor said, well, he'll have the whooper got for a hundred days. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Takes the glasses off. Slaps both knees. Um, but no, an amazing story. And Fantastic I think we story. have to focus in on the ferrets as well. That's I, I it, Shane, I looked up on, on Dukas. There, there are other people, like there are other stories where ferrets would have to um, drink the milk to cure the whooping cough. Okay. I assume it was because you were young that might as well just feed you breast milk because that's the milk you were being reared on at the time. Oh yeah, like, and sure it is more common with the kids and the whooping cough. Exactly, but... Uh, whooping <laughs> cough. Great alliteration there, Shane. Yeah, strange one. I wonder if it... Did he say it helped him, whooping cough? Well, it was gone. So there you go. Shane, I presume you don't still have the whooping cough. So, um, I think... kindly for the submission, Shane. That was... You, I got a, a great amount of belly laughs out of that. That's our um, box pop, <laughs> our, our reporter on the ground, Shane. Shane. Thanks so much. Ex-haver of whooping cough. <laughs> if you want to submit any such voice recordings or anything, do message us on the Instagram at Pitchrokes Podcast. Even drop us a little sound bite or do. email us on Podcast at gmail. At gmail.com. So look, though, we've nattered on enough, haven't we? That's fairy Let's news. Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's hop in. Saluk mermaids, merrows, merfolk, folk of water. Uh, there's a lot of different iterations and a lot of the stories we're about to cover will be close to our Scottish cousins, uh, the Selkie. Copy but for the, for the purposes of the episode, we're probably going to generally use the words merrow or merfolk to be yes. inclusive in these times. Um, these 2023. But yes, in general folklore, Aaron, a mermaid is an aquatic creature with the head and upper body of a female human, generally female, generally female. and the tail of a fish. Yes. Um, mermaids appear in the folklore of cultures worldwide. It's everywhere. Um, fo- there is water everywhere. <sighs> there there's has water. to be somebody living in there. You can guarantee there's a woman. And she's gorgeous. And she's... And she can swim real well. <laughs> she's got scales from the waist down. And uh, they, these stories are included in Europe, Asia, Africa, all over. Uh, mermaids are sometimes associated with perilous events such as floods, mm-hmm. storms, shipwrecks and drownings. Yeah. In folklore tradition, they can be benevolent or beneficent, uh, bestowing, bestowing boons. Bestowing boons. I love getting boons. Bestow me boons, missus. <laughs> um, mermaids, yeah, because you do have these images of like... But we, you know, the idea of they'd be stinky and obviously it was bad luck. Well, it was bad luck to have women on board ships back in those days. So the men would be hankering for just even the look of a beautiful woman. Just even half a look at me. they'd steer their ship to where these beautiful mermaids were singing, but sure it was full of rocks. Exactly. Or you often see, look, uh, mermaids are, you know, they're a folk... cryptid that are in piles of movies and stuff you've probably seen in the likes of Peter Pan the siren song and then the men are are allured down to them and sometimes it isn't even a trick the mermaids are like come in come in but naturally we can't live in their watery world so we then can't. The, the, the men would and drown and another thing as well is they're not just associated with the sea which is lucky for Ireland considering we've loads of seas and rivers and lakes 
They're also freshwater mermaids, merfolk. Which I was really surprised. That coming into this episode, um, and you see, well, when we get on to it, you see minor differences. Obviously, it's just in the landscape, but I can't help, Aaron, when you conjure the images of Lake Merrow as yes. opposed to Sea Merrow. They're, they're, it just conjures a different sort of image, a, yeah. a, a different... They of, often seem to be, this is probably speculative on my part, more male stories related to the lake ones the lake ones yeah yeah, and protecting because there's caves in there and there's stuff in those caves that I want Mm, I'd love but uh, mermaids uh, to go further back are closely linked to the sirens of Greek mythology Mm -hmm. uh, another folkloric figure which were part woman and part seabird burb uh, who lives on islands and sings seductive songs to lure sailors to their perilous deaths dooms Uh, interestingly by the classical period the Greeks sporadically depicted these sirens as part fish instead fish in art and by the Christian era the bird woman form had completely shifted to uh, fish fish woman uh, form we know today for whatever reason why is that I want to see birds as opposed to what I'm trying to think there's a specific name for I wouldn't be eating seabirds but I'd be eating fish and should eat a lot of fish in the bible Uh, mermaids were originally featured holding a fish but this then transitioned to the comb and mirror uh, and these became persistent symbols of the siren mermaid and you can even see that in churches and and, uh, inscriptions all across Ireland even in the Christian moralising context uh, the mermaids mirror and comb were held as symbols of vanity yeah, but then I found in the like, which is kind of intact with her, or banshee and other folks, that the the comb was a magical symbol of feminine power in Celtic mythology. It's that's the thing. Once again, it's this thing of uh, is it being um what's the word that we used to use Christianized or uh, syncretized? Oh, yeah, Perhaps they spin it another way, or maybe it's to get the people who have lived on. Um, there was a lot of anti-comb rhetoric going around in those days. Yeah. Let your curls go. <laughs> called The Legend of O'Dowd and Inishcone Castle. One fine morning the O'Dowd was walking on the shore and he saw a beautiful mermaid asleep on the rocks. She had long golden hair and a red cloak beside her. O'Dowd took the red cloak and hid it in a stack of turf at the castle. She woke up, but as she had not her mermaid cloak, she was a mermaid no longer, but a woman. After this, O'Dowd married her, and they had seven sons. Seven of them. I'd say she loved fishing on the worms. The mermaid made O'Dowd promise that he would not go to sea again. He broke the promise and went to sea. Of course. When he was gone out, one of her sons told her that he often saw his father looking at a beautiful red cloak. She knew it was her own, and asked him where it was hidden. When she got up, she made up her mind to take to sea and became a mermaid again. She could not bring her sons with her into the sea as they were half human, so with a wave of her red cloak, she turned them into seven rocks, and so then returned to the sea. These rocks are to be seen in Skirmore Woods, and it is believed that these rocks bleed every seven years if they're tipped with something sharp. That was a story collected by Connie Carroll, addressed Frankford County Sligo, Look, I actually looked into these rocks because I'd find that very interesting now. Mm. And there are the there are rocks up in Sligo in a wood near the sea there that you 
are meant to be these sons. I think there's pictures there that someone coast. visited them in the photo collection on the Dukas, so I'll have to throw those up on the, the yeah. Instagram. But a uh, great story and very sad. Uh, um, very sad. Uh, the idea that she had to turn them into stones, she couldn't just stay as, she couldn't as human beings. them after her, yeah. That's a strange one, isn't it? I don't know why she had to... But look, you'd feel bad for her, wouldn't well, you? Well, the father, he did break the promise. I've something peculiar to me about the idea of the husband just routinely taking it out and looking at it. And looking at it, it's almost, almost a like joy. he was more enamoured by the, the cloak than the mermaid herself. Mm. Considering he broke a promise to her as well. Do you think her fear was that he would go back in and maybe find another woman? or like Why did she stop him going back to the sea? It's funny. I, I feel I if I were her, I'd be... Not bitter isn't even the right word of like I can't believe you took me from my sea home and, and now you sporadically go out there. And you can go, go there and there I can't. And I'm stuck here with I'm these seven dollars. Yeah, <laughs> <imagine>. <laughs> um, these seven rocks stones. of kids. <laughs> I imagine them all as rocks and little outfits, man, and glasses on the spot <laughs> around the house. <laughs> common themes in these mermaid stories but uh, there's a theme you'll come across in a lot of them and it's love love and because uh, they're beautiful the battle and the, the constant tango between the sexes as well yeah. so oftentimes it'll be that a man stumbles across this beautiful, beautiful mythical being usually combing her long let's say green or red hair yes. by the by the rocks of the sea or lake shore and enamoured and in some Just way or enamored. another he will trap the mermaid whether that be stealing their cap or their skins that allow them to enter into the watery world sometimes it might be just as simple as something else something a one-off thing that's specific to that story uh, but uh, out of infatuation with these water dwellers they'll trap them in these houses often not it's, out of malice the they just is, love though, like, this person you'll see the stories and usually the mermaid loves them back but they always have this itch within them and who could blame them they want to go back instead of being in the world of legs and you know Housework and 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 a human. No problems. one needs to clean the house under the sea. No, under the sea. You don't need to brush the floor under the sea. No, there's no war. Well, I'm sure there is, but um, I'm sure they might have even had a beautiful marrow man waiting for them back home. Well, that's we'll we'll get into that. Was there any beautiful marrow men? Uh, in other tales, though, the seafarers will be taken by the beauty and singing voice yes. of the mermaids. Uh, or just their magical essence and will be drowned in their pursuit of the mermaid That's as we spoke thing. on. They just get, they just, a, a wave of something comes over them and they chase these women into the water and sure, sure we can't live long down there. Sometimes it feels like she's relatively happy in these spaces but that there but is a, a want. If the husband leaves the house or something, she's yeah. like, where can I find my cap? Sometimes in these stories they're always looking for their, their hat or their skins or whatever it is that helps them be water dwellers but sometimes they'll just 30 years will go by they'll have kids and everything and a box will just fall out we'll from the place see that. they'll see their cap and like well you know what back I go because uh, as we get further into the episode we'll realise that um, you might be related to a mermaid you might have been I'm a manicure and there's a big chance but uh, it leaves a lot I think going into the episode you know no more than we talk about the changeling and sort of the themes of these folk Merfolk. creatures uh, a lot with regards to traditional relationship structures oh, yes. uh, and the courting process and the expectations of women uh, upon marriage and the politics of sex so yeah, maybe there's often this wish as much as you love the other person to be free so yeah
um, Songs of the Sea, if you've ever seen it. I haven't, um, and it's been mentioned to me an awful lot. It's a gorgeous animated film by the people that did Book of Kells and Breadwinner. Anyway, they do, they play on the idea of the Selkie. Interesting. Uh, and the uh, merfolk. Uh, and I'd highly recommend that uh, film. And you can watch it off Gilga too. Whoa. So we're going to jump into our mythological stories of these merrow, merfolk, or We've such. just climbed out of our um, passage tomb. We're climbed back out in, of it. We're back in early Ireland. Here uh, we are. We're around Loch Ness at the moment. It's beautiful. And as we were mentioning our similarities with Greek folklore, these mer-women might start as burbs. Burbs. Sirens. Uh, half seabird, half human. Human. This, so this is during the Ulster cycle. Cúchulainn was around at this time. It's called Sirglegechan Cúchulainn, which means the sick bed of Cúchulainn. Liban uh, enters this, uh, the story in the form of an otherworldly seabird, and you could relate this, to, of course, to the sirens, sirens. of Greek mythology. Uh, in her seabird form, she's seen flying. Uh, Cúchulainn looks up as he's wandering around, probably hunting. Uh, she flies at a flock of enchanted birds. Each of the birds are in pairs and they're joined by a silver chain. Silver chain. But what stands out to Cúchulainn is that Fand and her sister, Liban, uh, stand out because they're connected by a gold chain. Gold chain. And Cúchulainn being the hero he is, <laughs> he starts hur- He sees this gold chain and he's like, whoa, I want that chain. Mm. He starts hurling stones at these beautiful <laughs> enchanted seabirds. I'd say he's throwing them so high, man. If they're and I'm powerful. I'd say these are like cannonballs flying through the air. <laughs> And one of these clips Fon's wings, feathers, they kind of just clip through her. And they weren't really a fan of this now. Of course not. It reminded me as well, man. Like, we were saying, why are they connected by chains? We were saying, maybe it's because the birds fly in formation sometimes. And Could be, or just they're enchanted birds. They're enchanted, yeah. And uh, these, so Fond and her sister Lee Ban come back in the form of otherworldly women to confront Cúchulainn because they're not too he's happy he's pelting stones <laughs> at these beautiful we birds we bury her and you know what I love this our hero Cúchulainn is beaten with horse whips until he falls ill and lies abed for a year Cúchulainn <laughs> uh, eventually regains his health uh, by the favour of fans she probably feels a bit bad after like look I've shown you now and yeah. you see she was negotiated with leg. Oh. Oh yeah, Cucullin's charity charioteer. I think he's came up before in the past with us. That he has that he has a trusty charity charioteer that travels around with him. Uh, so Cucullin reluctantly agrees to travel to the to Fan's other world island um, and helps uh, her in a battle against it's their her foes. foes. Uh, Cucullin and Fan then become lovers. lovers. That's not a beautiful start. Ah, uh, how did he meet? I threw stones I at her. I threw stones at her. She bathed the living jeez out of me. So bed was bed bound for a year. We got to talking. Eventually she forgave me. I, as long as I, I banked her, her foes. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we know that Cullen is married to Emer. That's yeah, and not right. As anyone would be, Emer was very jealous and she comes to attack the couple. With knives. With a troop of women armed with knives. That is so I love gas. all the women in this story. Oh. They're all lovely, powerful, That's the thing. angry women. They're not, they're not subjected to women no. hiding in towers or anything. They're out no, no, no. lashing, horse whips, knives. They're Dust, knuckle back, dusters. Bring back women with knives. Uh, <laughs> fan, if you... That's now... Everyone out there, if you want to get to Aaron's heart, <laughs> come at me get with, it with a, a knife. Come at me with a horse whip until I'm bed bound for a year. Fancies the, 
do we get the token? Fan take me out to dinner first. Fan sees that Emer is worthy of Kukulin. I like that. That fan's like, yeah. look at her. That's a powerful human woman. Uh, and She's a bit disappointed, though, which might have been that Kukulin didn't know they were married. He was previously married. Yeah. Did you know? Yeah, that'd be sad. So Fan chooses to leave him, of course. Um, she chants a poem and returns to her husband. And they were both at it. Jesus. Two to, two to tango, man. Takes two to tango. She's with Mananon, which makes sense if she's a seabird siren and Mananon being king god. God of, of the, the sea. sea uh, who I love this one. Shakes his magical cloak of mists between Fan and Kukulan so that they never. I know again. it's a really powerful image of he shaking his magical cloak of mists, but it almost feels like he pulls a handkerchief out and just yeah, shakes it in the air. Get out. No more. Stop. Don't look at him anymore. Yeah. Kukulin and Emer then drink a drink of forgetfulness together, provided by the druid. Now, isn't that madman? No marriage counselling. No, you know None what? I can drink a drink right now that'll make me forget. <laughs> but it'll only make me forget the, the immediacy knife. of while I'm drinking. <laughs> so that was a precursor to... Uh, it's interesting to see there, Aaron, that it was Siren, Seabird. She came as a bird. Um, and it was obviously Fand who is sort of the, the focus of that story. We can see literally in Irish mythology how this progression happens from the seabird woman to the fish woman. Uh, we, we take on from here, instead of Fand, her sister, uh, Liban, which comes from the old Irish meaning beauty uh, for Lee and Ban of women. Beautiful and woman. thus the paragon of women. Whoa. I love paragon, man, of the word. Uh, so there's an alternate legend then for Liban, the Salmon Lady. Salmon Lady. So according to the Annals of the Four Masters, my favourite book, uh, is compiled in the 17th century. A, a mermaid by the name of Liban was captured. Uh, her capture is also given brief notice under the year 571. Take me back. Precisely. Uh, in the Annals of Ulster. Uh, so it states that Liban was a Murgelt probably pronounce that terribly a sea wanderer sea wanderer Love it. Uh, who was the daughter of Echid uh, and was captured in the year 558 AD it was interesting now because this capture brings up a few issues or some fights between people because yeah, there was this fisherman who caught her in his net but he was a fisherman for Saint Cumgal of Bangor imagine having your own fisherman <laughs> that's John he's my fisherman that's my fisherman over there <laughs> which is great so he caught her in the Olarva, which is the River Larne, above there in Bangor. Which is Bangor? Is that above near? It's up there somewhere. This is your part of the world up here. Bangor in County Down. I stuck my foot in it, didn't I? Mm, there's a horde of They're Bangor men now. and women the with knives and horse lips. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, according to an old tale, uh, Lee Ban turned into a mermaid when a spring burst under her house. To form Loch Nay. That's the big one, isn't it? Named after Liban's father, Akid MacMaria, the Loch of Akid. Drowned by the gushing water. That's sad, her whole family are drowned, but she but, survives but somehow. She, and she transforms then, that's her origin story, it's how she became. So Liban, yeah. Of the water. See, the reason she transformed, man, is she survived. She managed to make her way into an underwater chamber in the lake for one, for one year. year. And obviously, if you're in a chamber, you can't get out unless. If you were half fish. Uh. After which she turned into her mermaid, Imagine, mermaid she spent form. She spent so much time in there. The body was like, you know what? Let's start evolving, I suppose. we got to thrive. we got to get out of this place. What a girl boss. <laughs> half human and half salmon. And I like that man that she's half... You know, when I think of... um, I, I used to think of mermaids solely as a sea 
thing. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't well, have thought Well, salmon or both. Isn't it great, though? It is great. And it that solidifies their idea that they're people of the sea and they're just people of the water. I'd love to know the interpolitics between the, the lake. The sea ones and the, the lake ones. I'd say there's a lot of, like, I'd say the sea ones look down they on the lake harder. ones. Yeah, they think they're harder. They think they're harder bastards out there. Uh, together with her lapdog, which assumed the form of an otter. Cute. So cute. <laughs> the cute. Mermaid was, cute. Uh, the mermaid was free to roam the seas for 300 years while maintaining her dwelling on the same lock. So she's able to come back to So it is interesting. When she was living in this house house flooded made a lake she went out to sea she wasn't captured before she lived in this house they, we started the story a bit strange there she was captured then after point. leaving and swimming the seas for 300 years damn then she she came to be caught I suppose I apologise the reason being is that the annals are kind of taken as almost a history there's mythology in it but the only mention in the annals is that is the capture. mermaid captured in yeah. 500 and whatever so this is when onto the scene he hears her beautiful singing uh, and discover he's on a passing boat I love caracals man they say it might have been one of those little like caracals sh- almost like straw hats yeah that Mananon is often seen paddling around in uh, and she agrees to come to shore mm. um, she says she's lonely and she, who can blame them uh, the mermaid was then baptised by Morrigan this is of course there where the Jeebus Christ comes in but died immediately and ascended to heaven uh, she had forfeited another 300 years of longevity for a Christian, Christian soul. Um, Favourite genre of music. Christian, Christian soul, soul is great, man. isn't it? Uh, but no, um, that is sad, man. I hate how it really is given this, like, it's sort of like, if you can't beat them, join them thing of, there's these stories, obviously, about mermaids and such, and then I assume they're transferred into, look, we're not saying mermaids didn't exist, but... Um, but they, they went to be- heaven, and the very second they do, they die. Yeah, exactly. They're out of the picture. It's interesting, isn't it? Get rid of them for some reason. Liban's capture was named uh, Bueoan, son of Inli, uh, and was not just a fisherman, according to the tale, but a member of the monastery of Chek Debioch, House of St. Debioch, in County Donegal, yup, yup, and was on a mission to Rome, sent by St. Comgol, when he ca- encountered Liban. Mm-hmm. There you this go. is where he gets a bit... Liban agrees to be buried in his monastery, but later on, a dispute arises over the right of her burial between him and St. Cumgo. And, the, and owner. the owner of the net. The n- oh, that's so there's three people getting involved. Well, here. I owned the net. She's so. dead now, but she has to be buried near me. It's such a weird thing. I have yeah. all these people. Uh, this was settled by divine judgment as two oxen hitched to her chariot carried Liban to the monastery of Deabrock. Deabrock, there we go. So there you go, poor Liban. But she got 300 years of 300 living 300 years on the sea. of swimming about. I wouldn't say no to that. Mm. And she got to go to heaven. She had an otter. And her little cute friend otter swimming around with her. Ah. Do otters live in the sea and lakes as well, man? Are they boat end or just freshwater? Let's check that out. Otters in Seattle is what comes up first. Nice. So. Are there otters in Seattle? There's a sea otter. But I wonder, there's probably certain otters that. that aren't stick there. So this was a story sent in by a listener uh, who inspired the episode uh, by sending it on to us. Uh, So thanks, Paul and Kate, uh, for sending that in. Uh, Lake, Merrimen and Women. Cloncarrick Lake near Carrigallon is considered very unlucky and many accidents have occurred there throughout the years. A native of Carrigallon named Paddy McGorrahan 
was drowned there about 50 years ago, and this added to the dread of which people had already for the lake. Scary lakes. A canoe hollowed out of a single trunk of a tree was found embedded in the mud of the lake about 40 years ago. The people thought at first that it was a coffin, and even when the true nature was explained, it being a boat, many still maintained the belief that it was a coffin. The following story was related by John Sheridan of Clockay, Stormy Hill, Carrigallon, about 73 years ago. Yes, there was a stormy hill we were caught up in yesterday. Isn't it mad, man, as we were saying, it's important to remember when we even talked about that hollowed out tree trunk. We were surprised to see so many lake stories related to mermaids, but it was the principal method of travel, particularly yes. around this part of the country, down rivers, through lakes. Um, a man named Tummins, local pronunciation for Timmins, went to cut bulrushes along the lake. He required those for thatching purposes, and to get the rushes, he went out in a boat with a large slash hook. When he was some time at the work, he was amazed when he saw a man swimming towards him. I wonder how many men could swim back in those days, and how did they swim? It's funny because, probably not many men, because even around here, it was kind of a big deal country people to learn this yeah it's it's shocking an island surrounded by water and with plenty of lakes and rivers i'd say more people can't swim it was led by fear or are not confident exactly because it's stories like this on looking more closely he observed that the man had a large fish's tail i love the word fishes the fishes is fishes a real word i think you can do it a fish tail a fish's tail the loaves and the fishes is said in the bible He became alarmed and prepared to defend himself. When the man came within striking distance, Tummins drew the slash hook, took good aim, and hurled it in the man's shoulder. God. Immediately the man disappeared in the lake. But something forced Tummins to jump in after him. That's cool. He just had it in him. Some power came over him and fucking... Get in there and I don't the blame him for having immediate fear about the merman swimming in the water. I have never had something swim at me in the water, but it's always been a fear of just seeing something coming. So Tummins could obviously swim. Either that or you completely the power just just came over him. Was yeah. 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 Down, down he sank till he reached the very bottom of the lake. A scary place, I'd say. Here he saw several men with fishes' tails, just like the one he had wounded. One of them seized him by the hand told him to accompany him. Tummins was too much afraid to resist, so he went along. After a long journey across the bed of the lake, they reached a cave, which Tummins believed went underneath the big hill over the lake. This hill is known as Cullen Brown Hill. (laughs) Great name. After passing a long way up the cave, they entered a smaller one, and here he saw stretched on a bed of sand the man with a slash hook in his shoulder probably looking real sulky annoyed see it's interesting that they have beds just hanging out chilling he told Tummins that he could cure him of his wound by pulling out the hook and rubbing his hand over the wound Jesus if it was only that simple he also told him that if he would do this he would be allowed to return to his boat sure how could you say no that's and if and if you do it you're Should allowed to live. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got, all right, okay. Uh, Tummins gladly removed the hook, uh, rubbed the wound with his hand, and immediately 
the gap in the shoulder man, disappeared. The man returned thanks onto Tummins and was led back to the bed of the lake. Next, he found himself in his boat, but he immediately rowed back and never again went to cut bulrushes or anything else around that lake. And that came from informant John Sheridan, age 67, uh, from Clocklock, County Leitrim. And I love, you know, some of that, I even, when people put little flares, like, down, down, he sank. Uh, you know, it just adds yeah, something Yeah, I, I like, so I wonder what the intent of that merman was swimming so fastly there at Timmins. And then to just let them go, it was, it was very interesting the way they all kind of got was along Was he going there to say hello, end. or was it just, what are you doing out on our lake? And just got a slash hook into the shoulder. And then there's a weird mix of like, Only come, you, you have to heal him, help him, but also like, and if you do, let you go. Let you go back. Yeah, I think there's a weird sort of, probably respect for Tummins, but also like. He got him. He got him. And Definitely a really cool story. And even it relates very well to this idea of a society of mermaids living in caves beside Love lakes. From there, we'll go back into a bit of mythology, though. Let's go. So there's one more mention uh, way back in the mythology, Aaron. Back of, in the days. Uh, in the Jinshenkis, which is an unmastic tale, so spoken spoken tales about places. Is that how you pronounce that word? Uh, onomastic. Onomastic. Uh, but it's it's literally the history of names of places. Place names. So Samguba, <laughs> which is a funny word, and Sur are terms for mermaids that appear in the Jinshenkis. And the story itself is related uh, to the origin of Port Larga, which is Larga. Waterford. County. So one tale explains how the demise of Roth, who was coming, wasn't our ancestors, were they coming from Portugal? Up Many to. different places. The Milesians came from Greece originally. There were sons from Portugal where they set up shop on the way, Spain. So on their way up through the Icton Sea, which is the English Channel, um, Roth uh, was pulled in to uh, the sh- water by these, it seems, giant mermaids. They were beautiful maidens. Except for their hill-sized, hairy-clawed, beastie lower part. Beautiful. Hill-sized. I don't Very know now. fucking big. They were beautiful. Um, and clawed. That's crazy. Yeah. But he was pulled in, and I think the only thing left of him is uh, thigh bone, which drifted onto the shore of Ireland. Um, and as a result, uh, his his family and, and the other people that were travelling to Ireland dedicated this land uh, that he, he washed up onto and called it Port Larga, which literally translates to thigh bone, does it? Port of thigh. Port of thigh. So there you go. Um, they the, could have eaten him. There is here a limb from the body of a king. Over the streaming currents, the sea bore him. Towards the noble love, long-limbed, winsome, of hundreds wounding Kithang's only son. From Imnish Anya of the heroes, Rot ever fierce, won his goal. The chieftain renowned in every land, he was a gentle border champion. By land and massive sea, fared the faultless prince's son, his left hand to the pure Ictian sea, his right to the country of enduring Britons. And there he heard the sound, it was a lore of baleful might, the chant of the mermaids of the sea over the pure-sided waves. The loveliness of the sea maids equaled any wealth, fairer than any human shape were their bodies above the waves of the tide their tresses yellow as gold 
The hosts of the world would fall asleep, listening to their voice and their clear notes. Rot would not give up for a women's troth, union with their bodies, with their pleasant bosoms. As much of them was underwater, it was a secret with no kindly power, was big as a broad bright hill, was shellfish and heaps of weed. Heaps of weed. Heaps of weed. The son of Kitang gave strong fervent love, no love was got in return. Rot found within persistence in beseeching them, the evil fate that was the custom of the women folk. Choked and killed was Rot, and his noble body overcome, until he would have been thankful, as ye may guess, to be dead and torn piecemeal. There came from the east across the narrow sea, till it found a level shore of Erin, a thigh bone from the soul upward, as thou mayest guess, so that the ear rests his noble limb, therefore to be told of in every land, is Port Larga of the broad shields. Men that are swift in the field, if there be strife, it is likely that they are generous folk. The grime kind of gives up there. But that is why it's called Port Larga. Port Larga. And R.I.P. to... This man got destroyed by these hill-sized monsters swimming there, but beautiful. It's like when you see a man go up to flirt with women and, and the club and you see him get absolutely destroyed. You, you see him come back half the men he was when he went over. <laughs> they spit out bones. Um, so, Mero, merfolk, the mermaids, mermans. They're half fish, half humans. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, Luke, this selkie character. What, what, where are you, where, what, what's that What about? are you talking about? What are you on about? <laughs> Why are you off? coming in here with that? We <laughs> said we wouldn't talk about it anymore. Get away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the selkie is a Celtic creation, and it's yes. very similar to the marrow. We're going to see lots of stories now of the marrow having a cap or, or such. Some, they, some implement that they don and it makes them be able to swim in the old water it makes them a half fish half fish but selkies <laughs> exact same thing man except they're half seal That's seal and as I was saying to Luke if you heard us guffawing there seals are mammals humans and Luke you're a mammal I'm a mammal Luke I'm a mammal that was their chat up line you're Here, a mammal I'm half mammal and the other half is also mammal none Luke. of this half fish <laughs> stuff fish <laughs> <laughs> the fishes. Uh, I'm more into the mammals myself. Uh, but yeah, essentially, there's a lot of. Um, don't be worrying too much, as we said at the start of the episode. Be differentiating worrying. between them. Sometimes. Look, you know, in the, the stories will mix up, but in general, just don't be worrying anyway. Exactly. Life's going to be okay. It's all love. <laughs> but, uh, the so marrow, half yeah. seal, half human, half fish, half. It's all love. Human. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, um, let's get into it now. We're gonna we're gonna be more on the folklore basis here of stories that people have been told and telling. Out near Tralee, man, this I found this very interesting. Oh yeah, the Lee family, Trona Lee. And what's what's funny about it, man, is I was hoping the Tralee was named after them. It's not. It's not. Just maybe they they were called the Lees because they're from Tralee. I don't know. Could have been. Could have been. But they they were up to bits. They were up to bits with those uh, those selkies. Yeah, they they were half seal. It suggests. Um, so, Mister Lee, um, impressed uh, upon a, a, a 
a selkie. The selkie. And as a result, so if you're a Lee from Tralee, very likely you're, you're half. Please Send write in. Send us pics of your hands and feet. And, go and why is that, Luke? There's a word for it, and I don't want to lose it. It's called love. <laughs> it's, no. it's just all love. <laughs> so we're on to the mate and the potatoes now. The marrow. Um, beautiful women, ugly men. Beautiful women. That's that's yeah. That's a strange thing, man. Oftentimes they say that the women are described as beautiful, but if you hear of a mere man, maybe the likes of which were described in that Leitrim story, they're they, horrible. Horrible sort of scaly yokes. Yeah. So these women, they're obviously a beautiful woman from the top up. Then down below, it's fish-like, covered in a greenish tinted scales with green hair. Green hair, which she's combing away, looking gorgeous. Uh, and she exhibits slight webbing between her fingers. It, it even talks about their disposition here being modest, affectionate, and gentle. Aren't they just lovely? Oh, aren't they just beautiful? Uh, but yeah, and they have uh, the skin, uh, the skin almost resembling sort of eggshell. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. These these ugly, ugly men are meant to be so bitter about being ugly, and that's why they're attacking the men. Because, as we've heard, these beautiful women are capable of attachment to human beings and yeah. can have kids with them. And I guess, sure, if they're up here having kids with our men, mm. these men down below, they're angry. The only Dirty, instance I can think of, man, where a woman gets with a uh, mere man yes. is that Guillermo del Toro movie. Guillermo del Toro. I forget the name of it. The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. I remember we tried to start watching that and then we just turned it off immediately. <laughs> I watched it eventually, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Um, but, but what is the crux of these marrow? How can they do it? How can they come up and down? So they have, Aaron, a wee cap rather than the skin that would be described of the selkie. They have a little hat and it's uh, and it's called uh, the Colindru. Colindrieta. And uh, that means cap or magical, magical cap. Cowl. And it allows them essentially to, when they're underwater with the cap on, they're flying around fish-like. And if they want to come up and uh, give their hair an owl, uh, an rub, dry it out a bit. Look out at the sunset. Get that beautiful wavy look in the hair. <laughs> <laughs> Head and shoulders And they're great singers And they have a great music Which can be heard From the depths of the ocean Which I would love to experience that I wonder if it's that whale sound Do you think people are swimming And they hear oh. I, You know what You could very well be right In the distance They might look smaller But really They're just really far away um, <sighs> Just like Father Ted uh, But essentially yeah, What happens is uh, They could be The Merrow Maidens Could lure young men Underneath the waves And keep capture their souls uh, and they're stuck down there or the other way which is equally as bad uh, as we've said the man is waiting and rather than a cloak or anything he sees this hat beside the woman yeah. uh, on the rocks and he steals he the grabs. hat and then he goes ah, now you're, now my, you're wife. my wife there you go my wife my wife um, and it's said that all of these merfolk merrow hail from somewhere called Cheerful chewing? Cheerfully hooing. Cheerfully hooing. I apologize. And beneath the waves. It's gorgeous. We're down beneath here at the moment it? and it looks quite cool. It's quite lovely. Now there is a bit of salt in my ears. And the men men are looking at us quite... Yes, they don't look like know. they like us being around here. Definitely not. I'm doing 
instead of like a why is he from like Borneo or whatever, just doing a carry version. My wife. <laughs> That's the. My wife. Now we don't normally do this. This is very unusual. But this next story was just made up by a man. It's completely. It's a lie. Look, it's it might not be fully true. No, it's completely fabricated. He made it up. But it's a great story about a man who meets another merman, and they they they, they go they don't go on capers together, but they they have it's, a bit of a relationship. It's very different, isn't it? They it's form a, a bond. Story. It's called the Soul Cages, and it's set out around Dunbeg there in County Clare. A man called Jack Doggerty. He was a fisherman, and he'd occasionally be out and about beachcombing. Beachcombing, and he he met he met the sea man once, and. <laughs> It, it, he, he was a very attractive looking man Green hair <laughs> And green teeth A red nose, scaly legs, a fish tail And stubby fin like arms And he sees him for a while Aaron out on the rocks And he's he, out there He just views him from a distance for a while But one day the weather picks up real bad While he's out beach coming So he goes into he goes the, cave. the cave to hide. And who does he meet? Their meat cute This beautiful <laughs> Man By the green name Green teeth He introduced himself as Kumara Meaning sea dog. Kumara, yeah, sea dog. So they're, they're, they're getting on fine and they start speaking in great lengths about their abilities of drinking alcohol and their <laughs> cellars and the fine collection of alcohol they have in their cellars. They both scavenge bottles from shipwrecks. They have a lot in common, man. There we go. They're, they're good old friends and they I... decide to start meeting regularly. Great. So I'll bring up a bottle of wine. You could bring a bottle of wine. So I presume they meet in this cave and... Kumara was like Jack oh, hang on to me tail there and I'll just take you down to my house and it, Jack grabs on and he takes them down and it's kind of interesting that the sea creature he's home under the sea is lovely and dry on the inside with a nice roaring fire that's peculiar <laughs> to me man now and he even said he, does he offer him a cocked hat of his own that they can the both of them down oh, these cats so he can breed I suppose yeah I find that mad all of this I can't help but think about the goblet of fire and I watched it recently and Harry going down to the merfolk in the lakes down there um, yeah. and of course because they were talking so much about their drinks that they decided to go down there and have a few drinks but this Kumara man he was really proud also of this different collection he has these kind of like lobster pots and he says that they're a collection of spirits of sailors that have drowned which I'd he kind of maybe sounds like a nice thing he kind of thought he was rescuing these sailors by like I guess holding them in these bottles. You're showing them around. This is my fireplace. These are my these collection are my alcohols. These are the souls of uh, people from fishermen. County Clare. Yeah. And Jack was kind of horrified by this. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't feel very comfortable. But you know what I'm just thinking, man? What do we do? But we get fish and we stuff them and we put them up on walls. And, 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 they, and we press a button. <laughs> Why does it always seem to hear me in the middle of the night? night? What's right? <laughs> <laughs> so... They would, Jack is kind of horrified by this, but maybe this he just Kumar doesn't really understand the, the the severity of it, and that I guess souls shouldn't be kept under the sea in these bottles. I get that, and you're right, man. I didn't even think of it that way. If he's like they were dead, yeah, he, maybe <laughs> he thought that he didn't want them to be lost to the sea, so he'll just keep them safe here in these little bottles, yeah. like lobster pots. But anyway, Jack decides, you know what? I might I'll have to do something about this, so he goes away anyway. And they're, the way they meet is he throws a rock in. Kumar will come up and yeah. bring him back down. Jack had decided to bring uh, bring drink with him to free these souls, but 
unfortunately, the first time Jack went, Jack ended up drinking a bit too much. Yeah, a bit of and he forgot his errand there. <laughs> he, I forgot my mission. I got two plasters. And it's home, boys. Yeah, they're just it's interesting chilling. as well. They say here that when they're drinking under the water, it uh, the coolness of the sea above his head, it moderates the effects of the alcohol. So he doesn't realise it until he kind of gets out that he's whacked by this drink. Yeah. When you're drinking underwater, it doesn't hit you as hard. They were sitting watching Dave and YouTube and stuff. And she's, Jesus, it's four in the morning, I've got to go home. They're listening to their favourite songs and drinking their favourite wines. But Jack, over time, would keep going back and meeting up with the, the man and sneakily letting these souls out of their cages. Ah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Did, would he have cared, man? I, I, He and Jack met many times. Did, no? He just well, no, he... After he freed all the souls, one day the merman would not respond to the signal of the rock cast into the ocean and was not seen anymore. All his pet souls, they were released. Jamie, you're drinking my drink. Fine, strong liquor. I gave him due and look, took me souls. But anyway, that, I really like that man and what a friendship, you know? Yeah, it's a pity it had to end there, but I guess the right thing was done to free these poor souls. So Kumara there, he was uh, one of these Mero men, but it is said that they are so bitter over their appearance and loneliness that they capture the spirits of drowned sailors and keep them incarcerated under the sea in a desperate attempt at revenge. I wish I were handsome. It's sad. It's sad to be. It's like birds in the bird kingdom. All the birds, the male birds are the kind of beautiful color ones and then the, the female birds are kind of normally duller. Mm. Do you know it's, it's a strange one I, I, it would be odd I'm knowing. hopeful that birds don't think about themselves in a superficial manner like that though but look it's nice to know that whenever the women get off with these pretty land dwellers they, they want to go home eventually. land lover land lover and to explain as well um some of the possible origins of when we talk about selkies taking off their skins and mm-hmm. being seal I like folk this one now. or taking off their caps some people were saying there might be a lot to look into the idea of them being seal folk that the likes of the Inuit and the, uh, Scandies. And the Scandies would wear, as you'd often have seen, seal uh, sort of hides, hides to keep themselves warm and protected. And so these people... And they'd travel over in sealskin boats. If they were paddling over, you could imagine yourselves paddling, and you arrive up on Irish shores and you pee, obviously you you're going like to peel seal. this off. So it looks like you're pulling off this literal seal skin. That and made you able to traverse water. These clothes wouldn't have been common in an Ireland. So it would Definitely look like, not. Jesus, what are these half seal people? Yeah. Um, so And it was said that these seal skins they would wear and such, when they were wet, they were less, they were like cumbersome, they were heavy. So you, you want to get it off immediately. Have to, you have to take them off. So I suppose they were been seen to be taking off their clothes quite a bit and imagine if you were an Irish man and I imagine these Scandies and Inuits looked very Sammy very different Um, then you see these beautiful women be birthed out of these seal skins back in the day they might Jesus I'm going to kidnap that woman now Um, could also explain as well why like there's Irish folk like myself dark hair dark eyes but then there's Irish folk with fairer hair Exactly. Fairer eyes, bluer eyes. Um, and if you're listening to this and you've heard about these ideas of, have we said already, the Lee family from Tralee, and if you're from Connemara and your name is Keneally, 
you might also be um, half mermaid. But uh, there is reasoning behind why people think that they, or explanations why family call themselves half uh, fish, Aaron. It was this condition we were talking about earlier of the, the, the webbed feet called syn- syndactyly. Where I've never actually seen it in a person, man, but I've heard about it. It's just the webbing of the feet and the webbing of the toes. Obviously, you'd think, geez, they could swim fairly well with that. Your man has, um, oh, who's that amazing swimmer? Oh, Michael Phelps. He's yeah. webbed feet. Is he? So he's half fish. Sure, that's cheating. That's cheating. And he's, he's not a bad looking man. I thought human Olympics. <laughs> Let's read an old story about a mermaid and some cows. Sure, why not? Long ago, a lovely mermaid arose out of the sea and came ashore. After some time, she learned to speak to the people in their own tongue. She told them that she was sent to announce the coming of three cows. Three cows! So obviously from Mananon must have told her or something. Mm. These were the white, the red and the black cows. And they would fill the land with the finest cattle so that nobody would ever be in want again. Jesus. When the people heard it, they were delighted and they carried the mermaid from house to house so that she might tell everyone about it. Go on, Mary! Imagine her that. Tell her, tell her! Tell her again! Tell her! Go on, say it again! <laughs> oh, you will never goes, believe this. <laughs> <laughs> when, when she had been among them for some time, she asked him to bring her back again to sea. She'd grown sad that she was a long time away from her own folk. Says she was exhausted, man, after all that tripping around. I'd say so. A lot of people went down on May morning with her to the Strand. She told all the people to be there on that same day one year afterwards. Then she went into the sea and was seen no more. All the people on that day a year later all gathered on the shore to watch. Just at noon the waves were stirred up and three cows came out of the sea. Sorry, three cows. Three cows came out of the sea. Sorry. A white, a red and a black cow. This is interesting now. The black cow went south. Because, man, we have things called Kerry cows. Jesus. And they're in the south, Kerry. Mm-hmm. They're small little black lads. Beautiful. There you go. The red went north, I and the white we... crossed the plains of Ireland. And many a place is called after them. That was collected by Annie Cairns from Manula County, Mayo. She was informed by Ned Kelly, who was at the age of 70. Isn't that a beautiful explanation, man, as you described oh, there, that it's very likely that you know, years and, you know, cattle aren't native to Ireland, yet they're such an important part of our land. It, you know, it must have been passed down. I can down. see them right now. It must, we window. saw a little Kerry There was a little Kerry, here. I said he was a little Kerry lad. And I say he recognised you. And he was coming over. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but, that uh, tastes better to you. Yeah, thank God you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Take me home. But, um, <laughs> no, I'd say it was a passed down story of when cattle arrived to Ireland and these different breeds that brought nutrition yeah. and I love the idea of these food. cows surfing in on the waves <laughs> <laughs> here comes trouble <laughs> uh, Luke I'm going to read you a story I found <laughs> that's that's strange that's Too not the format now, of this so. buckle up quite a long one Long ago, old Tom Petit of Garvery saw a mermaid in Annalock, near the shore with her head out of the water. He threw a stone at her, and she disappeared. <laughs> Isn't it funny, man? In that Thank area, you, Michael Cook. 
for that's that. That's beautiful story. He's from County Longford. But isn't funny? It's like one of those things where have you ever told a story or you've been around a group of friends and one lad said, this happened to me. And if that was the only story, you'd be like, that's amazing. And then go, the guy goes, wow, yeah, that sounds like something similar happened to me. And then they proceed to tell. The exact in, same story. Way more Worse. incredible. Oh, yeah. If it was one like, oh, I saw a turtle. Jesus, over me. Few meters, few meters away from me and then the next person starts like yeah I s- spent a whole night with a turtle <laughs> <laughs> we actually created a bond together and he calls every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> but that that story you told was really cool too anyway um, uh, there is a mermaid man supposed to be living in the river Innie when you say mermaid man were you using man as no, I was a figure it. of speech <laughs> <laughs> alright let me say that again there is a mermaid supposed to live in the river Innie Okay. One day, Tell as Matt that. Feenan of Clatter was fishing in the River Inny, he was as busy as spearing eels. Oh, spearing eels. Oh, man, I he's... saw them live. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> he speared a mermaid through the eye. The spear broke in her eye. God. One night, he was brought away by a lovely lady to a place under the water of the wow. River Inny. I want to be taken away by a lovely lady under the water. Come here. Um, when he re- yeah, when he reached the place, I bet he thought this was Jesus. I'm first lucky, and he's going ho ho. He's putting <laughs> the tie up to his collar, you know that kind of way. When he reached the place where the mermaid was, he had to remove the spear from the oh, he remembers yeah. that from the eye of the mermaid. When he was leaving the place, the mermaid made him a promise that he would never be drowned from the bridge of Lanesborough to the bridge of Athlone. Dream. It's great. A part of me would be scared by that because it's like quite nice, you know. But uh, collector Teresa Ganley, age 13, good on you, Teresa, and informant Andy Gill, age and 45. And Andy Gill, I'd say you're half fish. <laughs> Sound of that name. <laughs> That's what he was saying. Eh? Eh? <laughs> uh, and uh, he's from Dunis in County Westmeath. Great story, man. You can start to see, I love as we start to read more of these, you can see the trappings of the story. Like yeah. in here, different. I'll give you a different one, though. But always, like that one, in under a cave they came in. Yeah, oh, well, if you're talking about caves. On a farm owned by Mr. Brown, there is a small pond of water, and in the centre of that pond there is a very deep well. As the old story goes, it has caves, and in one of these caves there are three chests of gold, and a merman minding them. He puts them to bed every night at about seven o'clock. Shh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, man, the, man, the man who would bring seven black horses without a grey ribbon in them would get the gold. I wonder what the merman... Would want with seven horses. Seven. Yes, seven again. OCD about his horses. Once there did come from a far away and took him seven black horses. <laughs> I'm only reading it verbatim now. <laughs> which he thought had no grey rib and he stood by the pond and demanded the money. The merman came up and examined the horses and found one grey rib. So couldn't he just pull it out and said, look, there's no grey rib in these horses. And he told him he did not win the money. Another time there came a strong band of men and they brought with them a diver, a man with a rubber suit on. They let him down and he, when he got as far as the gold he was attacked by the merman and a huge fish. He oh, shouted no. to them somehow from under the water. He shouted to them to take him up at once and when he got up he was nearly dead. The gold is there yet? The water of the pond never goes dry. Damn. That was collected in this small county Ross common. By Sean O'Sullivan and Owen Mac. Mo- <laughs> Owen Mac. Shaken. Sean. 
<laughs> Man, it's because it was written. People around Roscommon and and here in Cavan, Elite, they love Western. So I'd say, did I come yeah. from far away? They, he was a coming. <laughs> he was a coming. Yeah. Uh, the rubber suit is very funny to me. I know that's just what a diver is in, man, but as you said, he must have been so terrified that somehow he shouted so uh, strong. So loudly they, they could, could hear, hear him. So the walking mermaid and her precious, precious rules, Aaron. Isn't it funny? Yeah, there's a few of these now where there's conditions that the mer people would like us humans to, to fulfill. Mm-hmm. There is a story told about a man named John Glavin who lived in Lis Griffin. Do you think it's... Galvin, no, it comes up as Glavin again a few times. It's funny, my Glavin. My my Glavin. I think we did. <laughs> we, we were we we jumped the shark now. It was Glee. <laughs> One it was Glee. oh yeah. One day a mermaid went into Glavin's house. The mermaid told him that he should not kill a black sheep, never invite the landlord to the house. Whoa. Fair. Uh, that all the family. Landlord, why you treat me so bad? <laughs> do you do my body in it? <laughs> That all the family should be in before 12 o'clock at night and never to kill a whale. Fairly easily done, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) They stopped killing whales. Uh, Then they began to get rich and the mermaid remained in the house. Things have gotten fierce good since we stopped killing those whales. And that merwoman show up. One day, one of the family killed a whale. By it just happens. <laughs> look, I've, we've all been there. I, I, you have a few drinks, you wake up the next day, and you Dead look whale. out at the yard. Thank fuck, not again. <laughs> <laughs> the mermaid said the whale was her brother. Oh. Then she went out and rang a bell, and a white horse came up out of the sea. Can she be? jumped on the horse's back, and she said that the day would come when a glavin would not be seen in Lisk Griffin. Then the mermaid drove the horse. So, if anyone lives out there in Lisk Griffin, write into us. Let us know. Is there any Are any of those Glavins still out there, or did the sea get them? They all changed to Galvins, man. That was Maybe what happened. That the origin of the Galvins. And that comes from uh, Skull Vura in uh, Skull County Court. It's funny, they've spelt Skull like Skull here. It's Skull, is it? It's S-C-H, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's funny that they've just spelled it like a Skull. Uh, and that's from Liam O'Rahalik. There he is. Well, I'll read a quick one here, so... A mermaid is a very queer kind of creature. It is a half woman and half a fish. I can't get my head around it. What? I couldn't even imagine it. It is very rare seen in the Galloway's coast. A mermaid appeared three times out near the lighthouse. A party of young men that were on a pleasure trip saw a mermaid. A few men were out fishing when a merman appeared. The men got a terrible fright. They beat it on the head a couple of times and then it let out three great roars. That was collected by Martin Brown from Mrs. Rafferty, age 78, up there in Fairhill County, Galway. On them. So, Aaron, this is the Mermaid of Renville. A mermaid has often appeared around the coast of Renville. A mermaid is like any woman, except that she has a swimming tail around her waist and legs. Is it interesting she has it? Yeah. She has it around there. I noticed that in the other one with the, the soul cages. He has a tail but also legs. Yeah, they, it's like something they can wear. Mm. I, that'd be handy. You slip on and off. She can remove this tail whenever she wishes. She sometimes sits up on the rocks, sunning herself with the tail beside her. Just me and my tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a <laughs> compilation of them. If a person comes on her when she has the tail off, 
it is very easy to catch it. There is a story told of a man from Clare Island who caught a mermaid. He came on her while she was sunning her hair on the rocks. She held the hair down over her face and her tail beside her. The man's name was Tool. He brought her home and hid the tail. He married her and they had two children, one at least of which was a boy, as there was a tribe of Tool descended from him. Power of deduction? <laughs> when he says he brings her home with the tail, I can't help but, you know, because you just gloss over it, it seems like she's... Do you think there was a struggle? It's it's hard to see, figure it out. I wonder did he have it wrapped up in his satchel or something, or mm. did he just lead her in like a carrot on a stick? Here's your tail. After a while, the mermaid grew tired of her life on land and wanted to return to the sea. Tool would not tell her where the tail was, however. Nice one. So she could not go. That's kind of mad, man, isn't it? She's captured, like. Yeah. How would you want stay to be there she and have another child? Uh, worst trade deal She searched everywhere for it But could not find it She guessed that it was somewhere in the house And one day in desperation She set fire to the house In Tool's absence This is an interesting tactic here I'd, Fair play to her The tale was in the thatch I'd say fire was a new thing to her Jeez this fire stuff's great I'll just yeah. set this place up uh, The tale was in the thatch of the house And the minute the fire touched it The mermaid smelt it <laughs> jumped up to where it was she's like damn I smell Tasty. good mm. <laughs> salmon Tasty. she ran towards the sea at once Tool who was working in the fields returned to the house to see what was going wrong he saw the mermaid leaving and followed her but she got to the sea before him and just in time to put on the tail and jump in when she got out a little from the shore, she looked back and laughed at Tool. Man. She waved him goodbye and ne'er saw him again. Mad. The Tools, who were descended from the mermaids' children, all had cold feet. Many of them went to live in Inish Turk and are well known as Buna Nagosfur, meaning uh, the origin of cold feet. A mermaid appeared on Renville Coast about 20 years ago. He was seen by men from Letter and Ardnagrivaig, uh, who were fishing in a number of boats along the shore. The mermaid was between the boats and the shore. The boat's men tried to surround him, but he escaped under one of the boats. One of the Letter men, named Joyce, struck him, the merman, with an oar. The old people said it was not right to strick a merman with an oar, and that whoever did would die before a year. Poor Joyce. Joyce went to America, and shortly after landing, he met with an accident and died. Sure, I'm just going over to meet an accident. <laughs> I'm here to we see an accident. We met on the way over, and sure, he was just going down the road, and he's going to meet an accident. <laughs> uh, a merman was seen in Letter Bay last year. He was seen by the local fisherman. He had a red beard. That's about. It's funny how the stories as time goes on get far, far less interesting, if you get me. Uh, that location was Clune Luan, County Galway, uh, from teacher Breed Ní Cédon. Um Don't be go stricken mermaids with oars, for don't God's sake. going around stricken mermaids with oars. Uh, mad the origin of cold feet there. Do you think literally cold feet, bad circulation? Or uh, they were fierce bad at approaching um, them getting married? Interesting. <laughs> I just missed, I missed the fish. I actually didn't even think about that because they're known for their cold feet. 
I'd say their feet are cold, kind of strange. Yeah, because it does say the children all had cold feet. They're just very, they're very, they're tiptoeing on everything. They can't <laughs> make decisions. They won't make their minds up. <laughs> he didn't oh. have cold feet anyway. He was straight in. Straight in, tales. kidnapped his woman. So, I'm getting back. Yeah, most of these stories now, the mer woman gets away. No matter how long she's spent on land or age, it's usually by the time when she touches sea again. Mm. All her beauty comes back and the age on land, just she just washes it off and there she's back in the sea, happy out again. Legend tells that Killone Abbey in County Clare, a marrow swam up to the lake to enter the crypts and steal wine from their cellars. She was caught and killed, but before she died, she dragged herself back to the lake, where it is believed that every 40 years the water turns red with her blood. The lake has red clay, which can give it its red tinge, but I like to believe it is the marrow mermaid reminding us of the injustice done to her. Funny injustice, considering she's trying to steal the the, the blood of Christ. But um, <laughs> she was I trying to steal the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. I suppose she didn't deserve to die for stealing some wine. Definitely not. No. No. So bad relations between. We have a funny relationship between our fishy. The yeah, fishy like I would people. love me now uh, an old mer wife, but I want her to be happy too. So, Aaron, that was a full episode. Full choco-block. Oceans of content there. Oceans of content on the mirror. I want to quickly circle back and thank anyone that sent us in bits of oh, info. You uh, made the episode. It really, uh, it actually is it's really nice to receive um, it is. stories. And even if you think, ah, oh, it's benign enough. No, it's, it's great. It's, oh, we love them. I love, and you can see, we, we include the crazy stories and we include the... Not Anyone so who's ones. written in there expect a fat check in the mail. It's coming. It's you'll coming. Get, you'll get 50%. It's just fat. Uh, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just blubber inside of a letter. <laughs> a greasy envelope like in the Cures episode, man. Oh, yes. um, but no, uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, that episode. Thanks for listening. Mero, uh, Selkies and Mero folk in general. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. We thoroughly enjoyed it. it. Lots of laughs. Lots um, of laughs, lots of goofs, lots of gaffs. Um, we'll just let Gareth kill play us out now as we fade into the distance. Fade into the background. Do you have any more bits to say? Like, just if you have anything to send on to us, pitchroguespodcast at gmail um, and pitchroguespodcast on Instagram. And uh, if you want and you like what we do, we have a Patreon link oh, there. Do we? In the Instagram. That's how you can afford all these expensive... Look at all the wines and souls that I have in my room. Well, Aaron, it's been lovely chatting with you, but before you burn me house down, I think it's time I give you back your cap. Please do. And I let you go back home. I've given you 17 children. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't squeeze any more out. And not one of them a looker. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chat to you, man. Swimming away. <laughs> swimming away. That's what they always I, say, man. I'm swimming Bye. away. <laughs>